Hi, I'm Richard Mack, and welcome to the NYB Cast. In this episode, we will be talking with Chara Radugara, and Chara is an inspired living teacher. Both Madeleine and I have worked with Chara, and I think you're going to enjoy what you hear. Love stretches me. Love breaks me down. Love heals and strips. Love tears and rips. Love throws away my royal crown. These are some of the words from a poem called Cry Love. The author is someone that I know, that I love, and that I would like to tell you about, my friend Chara. She's someone that I admire and respect And I'm not trying to embarrass her or make her blush, but even though we've known each other for 15 years or more, and she has so many incredible talents, I'm still discovering the vast range of her abilities and her grace. She's a mother, a yoga, meditation, mindfulness, and inspired living teacher. She's the creator of something called Soul Path Yoga, which we're going to talk a little bit about what that is, what makes that different. She's designed and delivers two powerful programs, The Optimal Life and The Dream Life, and I've worked with her in her development of those programs, and they've helped me quite a bit. She's an inspirational author, poet, actress, and this is a unique term, self as artist. So I think that's where I'd like to jump in, self as artist. Welcome, Chara, to the MYB cast. I'm really excited to have this time to talk with you. And I wonder if you would just tell our listeners a little bit about this term. Did you coin this term yourself, self as artist? Thanks for asking, Madalena. Um, I've never heard that term before, so it's possible. Um, but before I share with you what that means to me, I want to thank you and Rick for having me on your show. I'm really excited to be here with you and your audience. So self as artist, what that means to me is seeing yourself and your life as a living work of art and honoring yourself and your life as a masterpiece in the making. So we're going to come back to the topic of your art, but I'm really kind of interested. I woke up this morning and I had this thought to ask you about your childhood, (laughs) but maybe if we go back a little bit and you have any moments of reflection from your childhood that might have been instrumental in revealing who you were going to become as this creative, adult, inspirational, living teacher, what would be the thing that stands out to you the most? The thing that stands out to me the most in terms of my childhood, and I'm going to guess this is the same for most people, is that as children, we really know who we are. We're very in touch with our heart and what we're prompted to do. What I was prompted to do wasn't really uh, supported or seemed a little strange. And so I was conditioned away from what I think my heart knew. 
And my whole childhood and adolescence was in somewhat of a state of tension and anxiety and depression because I think I wasn't taught how to be in alignment with my heart, with my inner compass, and with those inner promptings that are the magic of who I am. I wasn't taught how to trust that. And I think to some degree that causes not only discontent, but can really affect our state of health and our well-being when we're out of alignment with our deepest truth. And so that term self as artist really is just a blanket term that anybody could relate to, whether they consider themselves an artist or not. It really means just being in touch with the artistry that you are, the art of creating your life, the art of being who you are and who you were created to be, and making daily choices that are in alignment with that calling in your heart. So as a child, I was very quiet and very stressed out and never quite felt like I belonged, never quite felt at home or at peace, certainly not at school. And I was always searching. And it seemed like nobody, not my parents who are very loving and I adore them, not my teachers, not any doctors could really understand what was wrong, what was making me so upset. So it was a happy childhood, but also a very stressed out childhood. And that really continued through my teenage years and my early adult years until I discovered yoga. That was really the turning point. And I think it's partly why so many people are stressed out today. There's many reasons. And so many teenagers are stressed out today because so much is imposed onto them. So much conditioning, so many shoulds, so many have tos, so many ideas about what is appropriate and what is not appropriate and what you should be doing and what path you should be taking. And I think that's why I named the style of yoga I teach Soul Path Yoga. Say more. So Soul Path Yoga is a unique style of yoga that is based on foundational principles of yoga. And each month we focus on one foundational principle that you can explore and experience on your mat when you're in class. And then it's a principle and a practice that you can take with you into your life. And I believe that each of these principles are a different way of practicing love. They help you live with more awareness, more skill, more authenticity, more peace, and ultimately more love so that you can experience your own magic and life's magic. And I could go on and on and on about soul path yoga, but ultimately it helps bring you into integrity. It helps bring you into alignment on all aspects of your being and your life so that, again, your life becomes your ultimate creation. I want to go back to the childhood thing because I really related to what you were saying when you described yourself as quiet and the feeling of not fitting in. I could relate to that from my own childhood. I always sort of felt like I was different from the other kids. And now as an adult looking back, I wonder, does everybody feel that way? Do, you know, do the kids who were the popular kids feel like they didn't fit in? And more than that is the question of, in finding oneself, 
Do you think that that period, uh, it's kind of like a gestation period of isolation or separateness is helpful or normal or part of a process to someone making the discoveries that you made? Well, I almost didn't survive it, but I'm happy I did. And looking back, absolutely. I have appreciation for that period of my life because you can see the transformation and appreciate the transformation. And I think we're all in our own process of evolution. And being able to look back, and I describe it as a journey from dark to light, from despair to flight. At least that's how I used to describe it. I like that. Uh, That's how I described it up until the moment I had children and a husband. (laughs) (laughs) Now I describe it uh, that I'm on a journey from dark to light to whole. And certainly I appreciate all of those times when I was afraid, when I felt alone, when I didn't feel I fit in, when I didn't trust my intuition and my heart's calling. Because now I can see the difference. And it also allows me to be a better facilitator for someone else who may be feeling the same thing. If I had never been through that, I wouldn't have understood that. I wouldn't have had the sensitivity and the awareness to help somebody else. Because that's what I think we're all here for. We're all here to learn from each other and be in our own evolutionary process. And so at this point, now I can really hold space for someone and help them facilitate or help them go through their own blossoming, their own awakening. And it is a magnificent, exquisite process. It is not always comfortable, and sometimes it is excruciatingly painful. But on the other side of it, or at least from a more elevated perspective, It really is like a work of art that's unfolding. And it really is the shadow and the light that makes the most exquisite art and music and poems and movies and stories and lives. So one could listen to you and think, oh, she went through this challenging, painful time in her childhood and her young adulthood, and she knew that she was going to take this raw material and turn it into something that was going to be this self-as-artist experience. But I think there was quite a journey in the process, right? You didn't start out knowing that this was going to be your path to hold space for other people. How did you get there? Um, You're correct. I did not know that at all. And in the term self-as-artist, besides seeing yourself in your life as a work of art, another component or aspect of that term is being able to take any experience and transmute it into something of value and beauty. And so I did not know this was going to be my path, but I'm thankful it is my path. And part of the self-as-artistry is taking my journey and making it into something of value, something of use, and something that can support someone else's journey. So when I was younger, I used to write poetry. I always had this feeling that I felt called to be on both sides of the camera, in front of the camera and behind the camera at the same time. Now that is not anything new or weird in this day and age, in 2020, when we're taping this, 
we're recording this, but that was not done 30 years ago. And I was mortified that somebody would think I was weird, that someone would think I was narcissistic, wanting to be in front of the camera and behind the camera at the same time. And now I laugh because I was a selfie pioneer way back then. (laughs) But I was too afraid to even say yes to myself at the time. And I didn't trust my intuition. So when I was in college taking photography, I'm very thankful to one of my teachers because she gave us an assignment to do a self-portrait. And that was my invitation. That was my permission to do what I had always wanted to do. And it was my first experience doing self-portraits. And I've been doing it ever since. And you'll find them, a whole bunch of them, in my poetry books. Um, that when I first published my first sacred poetry book with the self-images, again, I went through this fearful stage, vulnerable stage, worrying what everybody was going to think. I remember. (laughs) And then at some point I just said, this is what I'm called to do. This is what I'm doing. And so what I'd like to share with your listeners is that each one of us has this intuitive knowing that can seem strange or that we can worry what someone else is going to think or it doesn't follow a path that's ever been done before. And I would encourage anybody listening to whatever degree you can to trust that voice and with whatever step feels the safest to start saying yes. And I do believe saying yes to your heart and saying yes to your own intuition and saying yes to what you know is lighting you up is going to be part of your path of healing, part of your path of well-being, and part of your path of happiness. That's why I call the yoga I teach soul path yoga. It's all about the path that is illuminated by giving your heart permission to shine. So is the soul like sun? Yes. It's spelled S-O-L, which actually comes from the name of my company, Solazari. The SOL is the illumination, like solar, and the Azare is the magic. (laughs) So it's the concept of shining your light and living your unique magic. I would say even shining your divine light and living your unique magic. So you've come to a place, Chara, that um, you're finding your way. You're finding your heart. You're listening to your heart. And you start to respond to what your heart is sharing. And now you find your world starts to open up. You find your man, you get married, you start to raise a family. That must be an interesting, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, ingredient to your growth at this point. You care to share a little bit about how that came about for you? Sure. Thanks for asking that question, Rick, because I think we all go through these levels of learning And we get so excited when we've learned something new and we feel like we're in this place of understanding. And um, you're exactly right. You know, once I started practicing yoga and really following my spiritual path and, and learning tools and being around these incredible mentors such as yourselves, I really felt like I was elevating. I felt enlightened. And then I think God said, you're doing a great job on this level. Let's throw in a husband and two kids and see how you do. And I was like, bring it on. This is my dream. 
That's why I call myself a former Zen master, (laughs) because becoming a parent and a wife, it's a whole nother world. And they are absolutely my teachers of love. And that's where the poem comes in that Madalena started with. It's like, love is not just this state of bliss and kindness and everything is great. And, you know, you get it now. And now you just teach everybody else. We are always students. And just when you think (laughs) you've mastered something, life gives you something to um, test you. Test Test you. you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I could only humble you. Let's just say there's there's been a lot of breathing, a lot of deep breathing going on over the last ten years. Right, right. And um, I would say being a parent and a wife is awesome, and I mean awesome in every sense. It's awesomely joyful. It's awesomely connecting. It's awesomely exhausting, and awesomely frustrating. And it has completely reincarnated me, and I am humbled at the foot of love's door. (laughs) And uh, that's why I wrote a poem in my next sacred poetry book called Love is Everything. And what that means is it doesn't mean uh, the great things about love is everything, the, the bliss and the romanticism and all of that. It means love is everything. Love will build you up and love will break you down. Love will Break your royal crown. It's it's going to. It'll suffocate you. It's it's <laughs> when everything. When you need your breath and you can't because you've got screaming kids that are yelling for attention and yeah, this is the moment that is my moment and it's not your moment. Your moment is this moment. Yeah. So you said something earlier. Um, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but what it struck for me was the idea of that being a very tantric philosophy. Like we have to accept everything as part of this amazing gift of life. That's a tantric philosophy. Your poem, Love is Everything, sounds directly connected to that philosophical perspective that, you know, we don't get to pick and choose, but we have to make room for whatever shows up as part of the life that we have. And that's part of the art, right? That is absolutely part of the art. It is the art, actually. And you're the one, Madalena, who was very instrumental in teaching me that love is big enough to hold it all. And I don't want to give you a spoiler alert, but that is how my next sacred poetry book ends. It is the last line in the last poem, is love is big enough to hold it all. And I know I had the misconception that love is something you're striving for. It's something that you are striving to ascend to, to become enlightened and be in the state of bliss all the time. And I love that state. I am one of those people that tends to want to transcend all of this. And so I admit that. And at the same time, simultaneously, I am learning that we're all learning that life isn't necessarily something you would want to or even can transcend out of. And so that statement that you taught me, and I'm still learning so many years ago, love is big enough to hold it all, that really sums it up. And when you understand that everything is another form of love, and every practice you do is another practice of love, then you can begin to see how when you stand back, 
everything is part of this bigger picture that is exquisite. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. And as we said, sometimes it's very painful to go through. But those are the moments where the greatest artistry has come through. And there were times where I'm like, oh my God, please, I don't want another lesson. (laughs) I don't need another (laughs) lesson. I don't need another experience. I've cried oceans of tears. Enough is enough. And even now, when I have these moments of, you know, just being overwhelmed or broken down from mothering, from life, from, you know, whatever is causing me distress, those tend to be the moments that crack you open, where light somehow not only comes in, but shines out. And it's like the light that comes in and the light that shines out meet each other in this divine way. And then something new is ready to be created. Something new is ready to be discovered. And those are the poems. Those are the photographs. Those are the times that I look back and I could just cry tears of joy. And there's one poem I remember in particular where I I had just had it with my family. (laughs) I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, all I want to do is shower you guys with love and adoration and, you know, teach you these things I've learned and you, you want nothing to do with it and I'm exhausted. And I just flopped on my bed crying hysterically. And all of a sudden, this poem started flowing through. And it's called Superwoman. And it's one of my not only favorite poems, I know one day it's going to be a song. And I am so thankful for that moment because that poem is the result. And it is the affirmation of being able to have tools from Soul Path Yoga to deal with those difficult situations and then to make something profoundly beautiful and valuable out of it. I know you're going to share one of your poems with us from the new book, but maybe is it possibly that poem? It could be. (laughs) It could be any poem you like. Okay. (laughs) I would like to shift gears here, if I may. I am a graduate of your uh, coaching classes, and I know Madalena is as well. I found that um, working with you was extremely enlightening and illuminating. How did you get involved with doing self-help and coaching? That's a good question, and I think it's because I've always been really drawn to the yoga off the mat. I love movement. I love meditation. I love the breathing techniques. I love every aspect of the practice on the mat. However, the thing that I was always the most drawn to were the foundational principles, which are life principles. And that's what I've been focused on for the last 25 years. In addition to that, these principles over the years were building me. They build your integrity over time. And I got to a point where I knew something new was coming. I didn't know what it was. And then I discovered what it was. It was a course, a two-week incredible course, that was a lot about the yoga off the mat. It wasn't called yoga, but it was a lot about subconscious programming and conditioning. It was a lot about present moment awareness. It was a lot about connecting and communing with life and the divine and co-creating with the divine. And it blew me away. So when I came back from that course, I was like, I need more time with people. And what the calling was, the intuition was, was to combine yoga practices I was already doing with the new information I had learned. 
And that's when the LIFE programs were born. And they've been evolving ever since, but the core of those practices and teachings is consistent. And then the way that I facilitate, or maybe the you know, little nuances here and there, that has been finessed and, and has been evolving over the years. But that's how the LIFE program started. I just wanted more time with people off the mat so that we could apply these things in everyday life. Speaking from my own experience, what I took away from that course is the idea of being able to connect with a higher source with inside myself to get that present moment of awareness beyond just, uh, you know, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? And to think about the principles that you introduced and the playfulness of allowing new ideas to take form and how to allow those new formed ideas to manifest into foundational pieces that are in fact in my life, but I didn't even know they were there. So <laughs> thank you very much for that. That was a major, major, major turning point for me in my process. Thank you. You're welcome. It's always an honor to share these, and we know when we're ready. You align with the practitioner or the practice when you're ready. So for anybody listening, if you have the intention, you know, that I'm ready for my new level, well, maybe you're listening to this podcast for a reason. And if you set the intention that I want to meet the practitioners and the practices that are going to serve me at this level, they will come into your life. And of course, I highly recommend working with Madalena and Rick because they, in turn, um, as Rick was saying with me, it's very mutual. They have changed my life and are a big part of my continued well-being. What I'd like to say to the audience here is that sometimes we think these practices are very advanced, or I have to get to this certain level. And yes, there are advanced techniques. However, you can begin with the most basic technique that, in my experience is also the most advanced technique. It's almost like it comes full circle. And that is the practice of breathing deeply and heartfully. So we're going to give you an opportunity to offer a sample of one of your practices, and then we're going to have a break. So maybe this would be a good time for you to lead us and our listeners in a very typical kind of a teaching that you would offer to your clients or your students. Would you be willing to do that? Of course, I would love to do that. Okay. So again, the most basic yet most, I believe, profound practice is breathing heartfully. You could also say mindfully, mindfully and heartfully. They're both important. However, in this moment, I'm going to say breathing heartfully. So for anyone listening, you can come to a comfortable position that could be sitting or lying down and just perhaps turning off anything that would be a distraction, closing your eyes if that's comfortable for you, and allowing your eyes to smile inward and just giving yourself permission to relax. So many times we think we have to try really hard to fix something, to heal something, to be something. But you already are it. So give yourself permission to relax into who you are created to be and to relax into what you are created to do. 
This is the most natural thing in the world. And yet, I want to honor you because it takes courage to be willing to breathe past all the layers of life and to breathe beyond all the layers of conditioning and all the belief systems and into the depth of your heart of hearts. This is where we find the altar of truth. Your altar of your authentic truth. Allow yourself to take a deep inhalation and a full exhalation. Without using any effort, just gently allow your whole being to expand when you inhale and your whole being to contract when you exhale. And start to notice how this creates an ebb and a flow. This creates a pulsation, your pulsation of life. And when you allow more breath and more oxygen to flow through you, you are also allowing more prana, more of the life force to flow through you. You're courageously allowing more consciousness, more intelligence, more light, love, grace, and spirit to flow through you. And in this very simple yet profound way, the breath becomes a bridge. It becomes a connecting point between your mind, your body, and your spirit, and life, the creative spirit. And that's what it means to be one with. It's not new agey. It's not weird. It is being one with your breath. One with the breath inside the breath. One with the life force and the power inside your breath. It also elicits the relaxation response. It also elicits biochemistry that supports your well-being, that promotes health and radiance. It promotes clarity of vision. And in this way, the next time you look in the mirror, you will see a living work of art you will see a divine masterpiece in the making. And you will know deep inside that you are also a self as artist and that you also have the capacity 
to transmute and to transform your experiences into things of beauty and value. And then inside you is a great purpose. And that purpose is to be who you are. To be who you already are. And to cherish the beloved that you are. To make choices that support the beloved that you are. Take three deep breaths and appreciate that this moment is a new beginning and a new level that you are ready to breathe into and to step up into. And you now have loving practitioners and practices that are here to support you. That was beautiful. Thank you. Shara, why don't you give us a little contact information on how people can contact you and learn more about what you're doing, maybe your website, and how they can engage with working with you. Thanks, Rick. I would be honored to connect with anybody listening who feels in alignment with some of the things that I shared. So my website is www.chara.tv. I also have a YouTube channel with some meditations on it and some information on it that may be helpful. And that's also chara.tv. My Instagram is chara underscore inspire. And my Facebook is also chara.tv. Chara, we're not finished with you. We're going to have more conversations with Chara in our next episode. And of course, I always love being with you. And it's inspiring and um, revitalizing for me. So I'm grateful that you shared that beautiful practice. But to our listeners, come back because we're not finished talking with Chara. And as I said, she has a wealth of experience, knowledge, and information, and she's going to share more with us. MYB Cast is produced and engineered by Mitch Lieber, recorded at Beef Machine Studios. MYB Cast is sponsored by Mind Your Body, a somatic movement therapy, yoga therapy, and meditation clinic located in Cedar Grove, New Jersey. 